2: Live from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On.
1: We're on a timeline for two things for sure, and that is the
3: debt limit and also budget. We've probably been seduced by the notion that we can get off fossil fuels much quicker than can happen.
2: Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective from D.C.'s top name.
4: Biden was as knowledgeable about the issues around affordable housing as anybody out there has ever been around. Excess government
3: spending always causes inflation. Inflation hurts the poorest families in this country.
2: Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio.
5: The president is back in the bubble after swinging through New Jersey today to make the case for infrastructure and the economic agenda. And the odds makers are back at it on whether Democrats can find a deal on all this before President Biden heads to Europe this weekend. We'll dig into the debate ahead with Congressman Al Green, Democrat from Houston, Texas, who serves on the House Financial Services Committee. It's a big day for Facebook, as you've been hearing on Bloomberg Radio, not only with earnings after the bell, but also another round of testimony from whistleblower Francis Haugen, this time in the U.K., with more internal documents emerging Some that contradict Facebook's public stand on competition. We'll get into that with Bill Baer, former assistant attorney general for antitrust in the Obama administration. And we'll sort it all out with the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeanne Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us for the hour. The long and winding road to infrastructure and the rest of President Biden's economic agenda wound its way through New Jersey today before the rains where President Biden made several stops, in fact, to tout his plans, including one at the Portal Bridge, the busiest train bridge in the Western Hemisphere. You've probably gone over it. Swing Bridge opens about 100 times a year. The thing's over a century old and is known for not working. Something goes wrong, they say, about 15 percent of the time. Workers have to use sledgehammers to close it. Sounding familiar, right? Here's President Biden speaking at the bridge.
3: When the Portal Bridge was built, it was state-of-the-art, and it really was. But 110 years ago, today, it's been called something different. A choke point, a bottleneck, an Achilles' heel in the Northeast Corridor.
5: Yeah, 110 years ago. So the infrastructure plan that's waiting in the House includes $30 billion in funding for the Northeast Corridor that would include the old Portal Bridge. As you likely know by now, that cannot pass with at least an agreement on the Biden reconciliation plan. Speaker Nancy Pelosi telling CNN, they're almost there. Here she is.
0: We've 90% of the bill agreed to and written. We just have some of the last uh, decisions to be made.
2: Yeah,
5: of course, we've heard that 90% line before. That 10% left is clearly the hard part, right? As moderates and progressives debate everything from an expansion of Medicare to the duration of the child tax credit, course how to pay for it all and joining us to talk about those issues among others is congressman al green democrat from texas houston texas serves on the house financial services committee congressman i know you're getting ready for a big baseball game but welcome back to bloomberg radio we're glad to have you and i remember very clearly when you joined us on bloomberg following the blackouts earlier this year in your state the trouble with the grid and i just wonder how close are democrats to finding agreement on reconciliation so you can get infrastructure money to help the power grid
1: Well, thank you for having me on, and I greatly appreciate your comment about the World Series. Yes, we are ready, (laughs) and uh, (laughs) we're going to take care of business.
0: Probably a lot
1: faster than the Democrats have with reference to the Reconstruction. Well, geez, it uh, wouldn't take a lot. All the things we're doing. Well, (laughs) uh, thank you. You're, You're probably right, but you know, this is what democracy looks like. This is, this is what it's all about. Uh, and democracy is about give and take. It's about some disappointments from time to time. But in yep. the end, we will pass infrastructure and reconciliation. Uh, that's what our goal is. And we'll get there. It may not be what we wanted, all of what we wanted, but it will be something significant. That's important.
5: Two big things happened this weekend, Congressman. President Biden is going abroad. He's on his way to the G20 and, and the U.N. Climate Summit. And it's hard for me to really understand what it is he wants to take away beyond a broad agreement on, on reconciliation, but also surface transportation funding runs out October 31st. That's the real one. If you want to talk deadlines here, do you think you can get this infrastructure deal done by then? Or is it going to be another CR to fund transportation in its place?
1: Well, CR is always an option for us. I would prefer that we not use it. And yes, I think we can. Uh, Speaker Pelosi has been very positive lately, and uh, she's optimistic. Uh, Mr. Hoyer is planning for a vote. Uh, These are some positive signals, and Mm -hmm. I take it that we can get it done. But if we do not get it done within that timeline, we can still get it done. The asset test is whether we'll get it done, not whether we'll get it done today or tomorrow.
5: Okay, understood. Is is Leader Hoyer looking for something on Wednesday, as I've seen reported?
1: Uh, That's what I have uh, understood the case to be. Yeah. Uh, But, uh, you know, Wednesday will come. But uh, the (laughs) final word will be that we will get it done. Something will be done. We're not going to leave this much on the table. We can't.
5: What are you looking to send Joe Biden away with? It's like you're packing up his lunch. You're putting it in the bag. He's heading off to the airport. What does he need to show other world leaders that the U.S. is capable of accomplishing?
1: I think it would be great if we can show the world that uh, we're still committed to dealing with the existential threat of climate change. Uh, I don't want to see us uh, leave that behind. Uh, this is something that impacts us globally. As you know, Kilimanjaro, the ice caps are melting there. Uh, this is something that the president, I think, is committed to, and I think he'd like to take that with him, something to say to the world, we're committed to it.
5: I know the objections uh, from some members of the Senate, namely Senator Joe Manchin, are keeping uh, the the Clean Power Grid Act, I guess, out of a final version that would incentivize utilities to use green energy and and even penalize those that did not. How do you replace that? I know you're looking at a menu of options, Congressman, to come up with something else that mitigates the effects of climate change, or is it already in the BIF? Is it in the other bill?
1: Well, I think that we should first do this, Uh, and I'm I'm sorry to take you back so far, but first I think we should find out what Mr. Manchin wants rather than talk about what he doesn't want. Because if I tell you what I want and ask you to agree to it or disagree, well, then you can downsize what I want. But let's find out what he wants. Maybe he wants something for the people in his state who are having to make a transition from coal to some other form of energy in terms of their work product. Uh, Let's find out what he wants. And then let's try to satiate his desires. This is a give-and-take business. It's not all about taking, so we've got to take care of Mr. Manchin.
5: Well okay so maybe I should ask it differently. What do you need when you look at the power grid in Texas, when you look at the coastline in Texas and 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 the the issues that we're dealing with in terms of climate costing companies uh, a greater load when it comes to doing business, how do you take care of that with the legislation that you're negotiating right now?
1: Texas in my opinion has to become a part of the 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 grid that the United States has. We have three grids in this country, and Texas needs to become a part of uh, the the national grid. Uh, I think that it can be done. Uh, I think that within what we are planning, hopefully, there will be monies made available to states to uh, get grants so that they can upgrade some of their equipment. But Texas also has a rainy day fund that we have not tapped into. And I think that this is a rainy day uh, in the sense that it's needed, the funds are needed. So Texas is going to have to come up with its fair share, but I think we can match some of that.
5: So you'd be able to pay for some of that yourself and then hope for something in reconciliation to close the deal?
1: I would hope so. I would hope so. But I would say this, I won't let that stop us from having a reconciliation package passed.
5: Congressman, you've been kind of hovering between these moderate and progressive factions and you can you can correct me if you don't like the way i frame that in terms of where you're caucusing and what your priorities are and we hear so much about infighting in the democratic party when you try to bridge uh both of these groups here and and look at what's necessary do you have a a a price tag in mind do you have a sense of where reconciliation will land i
1: don't have a sense of where it will end, but I'm going to speculate, if I may, and tell you that.
5: You know we happens, love when you do that.
1: <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. You can always point the finger at me later. But <laughs> I think I think it will come in uh, a little under the the two trillion mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, that will mean that some things may be downsized. Uh, my hope is that we don't uh, get into the elimination of things that are important. For example, I served with the Honorable Maxine Waters on financial services. And she wants to put $90 billion into vouchers so that we can help people who are homeless. If you traverse the cities in this country, the major cities especially, you see people sleeping under bridges, Mm -hmm. along highways. Uh, This is unacceptable in the richest country in the world. If an infrastructure such as an overpass can become a home then a home can become an infrastructure for people so that they don't have to sleep on the overpasses. Yeah, so I'm, good I'm very much for making sure we, we take care of people who are sleeping under bridges. And finally, she also wants to do something about the aging infrastructure in public housing. Mm-hmm. It's time for us to repair those things. These are the people who don't have the lobbyists. They don't get to talk on the radio to a person with your statue because they are not mm-hmm. into this line of work. But they've asked me to speak for them, and I want to make sure that they are taken care of. We can take care of those who live in the suites, but we also have to take care of those who live in the streets.
5: First thing I see, Congressman, when I walk out the door at work in downtown Washington D.C. is an encampment. There are tents. I yes. don't have to tell you. All over the nation's capital, yes. and that's being yes. seen in a lot of cities around the country. Yes. So that that would be an effort to to put roofs over the heads of these people. How come more people aren't talking about it? Where would that end up in the reconciliation bill then? That would be the component this, you're describing.
1: This is, the, this is the housing component of it. And uh, I agree with you. We see it and we have to ask ourselves if home is where the heart is. Uh, that's a cliche, of course. Where is the heart of the homeless? Is it under a bridge? Is it on a park bench? We must do something to help persons who are living in the streets of life. Uh, the, those who are among the well-off, well-heeled, and well-to-do, they will yeah. fare well. It's the least, the last, and the lost that some of us have to focus our attention on.
5: Congressman Green, then it sounds like you're not you're not miffed. It's not a loss if this does not pass this week. Is that fair?
1: That is a very fair statement because Great. I stand on this ground of it will be done. May not be when I want it, but it will yeah. get done, before we're done.
5: It will be done, says Congressman Al Green, Democrat from Texas. Good luck in that ball game tomorrow, Congressman. Coming up next, we assemble the panel. Jeannie and Rick are with us for the full hour. We'll play the odds on a deal. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.
2: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Still haven't heard what they had for breakfast at the Bidens on
5: Sunday morning. Did they go continental? Just the baked goods or full-on bacon and eggs? And did the conversation change anything? As Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Joe Manchin, the most famous politician in Washington, joined the boss for a serious talk, a sit-down over breakfast. Today, White House Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre would only say, quote, there was progress. So let's get to the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis with us with the threat of heavy-duty weather from here in the nation's capital all the way up to New York and New Jersey. So don't drive into that stuff if you can help it. Jeannie, I am not going to ask you if they're going to find a deal this week. I just, I can't. I can't I can't do this for another week. I will ask you, though, after the Joes had breakfast, what does President Biden need on climate before he goes to the U.N. summit before he faces other world leaders this weekend uh, in Europe. What does he actually want to have in his pocket to say, hey, you know what? Look what we just came up with. It's not the entire reconciliation deal, right?
0: No, I, I, and thank you for not asking me what my prediction <laughs> is. My God. It's been, all I have to say is your interview with Congressman Green made me feel positive. He said it will be done. The president's saying today with the grace of God, it will be done. So yeah. I'm feeling a bit positive, Joe. But- you know, I, I think what the president wants, quite frankly, is a. You know, I, I can imagine they get to a reconciliation vote, obviously, this week. But if he gets a framework of a deal there and they can pass potentially, as you were talking about, Nancy Pelosi said there are 90% there, if they could maybe pass the bipartisan infrastructure so he has something to bring over with him. I mean, quite frankly, what I think he needs to show the world or he wants to show the world is that his agenda, his program is moving forward, particularly on climate change, Mm -hmm. and that there's more to come. Um, You know, he's had a really, really tough time for the last several weeks, and his poll numbers show that. So he's going to be going to Rome, he'll be meeting with the Pope, he'll be going to the G20, he'll, you know, be doing the Glasgow uh, important summit. But Mm -hmm. I think he wants to show that the U.S. can be a leader, but in order to do that, you've got to show that the U.S. government can move forward. So, you know, if he could get the BIF moving forward in a sort of a framework for reconciliation, he would be on the way.
5: Well, getting around senator joe manchin on this one rick is is an issue i know he's in a houseboat he could live anywhere if this turns into water world and you know the the polar caps melt but i i see the headline in the new york times Manchin pushes for more climate cuts from the budget bill as biden looks to glasgow summit having already succeeded in stripping the bill of its most powerful climate change provisions. so do you know and you might not rick but what in the world could joe biden have in his suitcase when he goes to europe this week that would actually make a difference on climate
4: Yeah, well, I'll take a a stab at what's going to happen. I think they're actually going to pass the reconciliation bill and sign it into law before he gets on the plane. Uh, I think that's what they're trying to move toward. We heard uh, from Congressman Green that why are you feeling that way? Hoyer's planning a vote on Wednesday. uh, As long as the progressives are in uh, and there's a understanding uh, on reconciliation, which is where they should have been, you know, eight weeks ago, uh, then then they're going to vote for it. Uh, They've got the votes for it. They can pass it anytime they want. Uh, and, infrastructure, and that, yes, infrastructure. But you and, said
5: reconciliation as well, no, right?
4: No, I don't. I think they'll get an understanding on reconciliation, okay. broad parameters, as they've been talking about. But mm-hmm. but there are billions of dollars in this reconciliation bill on everything from clean energy to nuclear to carbon capture to hydrogen, yep. and and he wants to at least demonstrate that 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 our country is committed to spending tens, if not hundreds, of billions of dollars, you know, on trying to meet certain thresholds by twenty thirty. Uh, of climate and 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 i think that will give him a strong hand he'll have a victory under his belt when he gets on the plane now i think that he'll talk largely about the quote agreement that he'll have against the uh policies that are also in reconciliation because at that point in time we'll all be sitting here talking on friday about the fact that oh democrats are just timing a reconciliation vote now so Uh the stars are aligning for him and i think the fact that uh They had this uh, meeting of the minds in Delaware, you know, the the Joe's breakfast. And I (laughs) I think that probably Crow was also served at that breakfast. (laughs) And uh, and so I think that that you actually see the makings of a logical conclusion to all this.
5: I'm wondering if you were at that breakfast. I feel like Rick knows something we don't, Jeannie, here, but... You know, there are climate provisions. I I hate to keep reminding everybody uh, of this in the infrastructure bill. Couldn't Joe Biden, under Rick's scenario that he just outlined, show up at COP26 and say, you know something, we got a new law that's going to have everyone driving EVs. We're going to have EVs going all over the place and help move beyond the internal combustion engine. Is that not a start, Jeannie?
0: It's absolutely a start and I think that is what the White House is uh, expecting and hoping and and the leaders in Congress on the Democratic side are hoping that they have a framework for reconciliation they get a vote on the bipartisan infrastructure and he can go and rightly claim a victory and let's not forget this is a big victory if we think about it if it is the BIF at you know about 1.2 and the American Rescue Plan at 1.9 that is a big amount of of money you add on to that a framework for reconciliation say it's 1.75 you know 1.8 somewhere around there we're talking four to five trillion dollars in spending in this year this is a transformative bill and he could certainly pull massive pieces out of that to sell and to talk about so i think that that is what the the president is is hoping and and I think what I'm watching for at this point is do we see some pull-off on these progressives? Do they do they get upset at the lack of climate focus, even though there is a lot there?
5: Boy, there is a lot here. And I still want to know what they ate, if you know how did they prepare the crow? Rick and Jeannie will be with us for the rest of the hour. Coming up, we turn to Facebook. Charlie Pellet's gonna have the latest on earnings. We're gonna look ahead to the argument for antitrust. Stay with us. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.
0: Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk
2: Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1, to New York, Bloomberg 11.3.0, to Boston, Bloomberg one oh six one to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew.
5: The headline on the terminal, the Facebook Papers social network shaken by content user woe. A whole new pile of internal documents given to the SEC by the Facebook whistleblower Francis Haugen and then provided to Congress. Well, you know what happens then. They've been obtained by a consortium of 17 news organizations. You better believe they include Bloomberg. Some of them could add to the antitrust war against the company. We'll talk about it with former Assistant Attorney General for Antitrust Bill Baer. It was another day of testimony for Frances Haugen answering questions, this time in Parliament, UK, very similar to the questions she recently answered on Capitol Hill.
4: During my time at Facebook, first working as the lead product manager for civic misinformation, and later on counter espionage, I saw Facebook repeatedly encounter conflicts between its own profits and our safety. Facebook consistently resolved these conflicts in favor of its own profits. The result has been more division, more harm, more lies, more threats, and more combat.
5: That was Haugen three weeks ago in a U.S. Senate hearing. And the story has deepened. Have you read through this stuff on the terminal? Massive cache of internal documents showing employees were concerned about the spread of hate speech leading up to January 6th, never mind in general. And they were contradicting in these internal communications, looking at emails Chats contradicting the company's public statements about competition. So we are asking, will all of this strengthen the antitrust move on Facebook? We've already talked about it long before we ever heard Francis Haugen with lawmakers on both sides of the aisle taking aim at the social network. And we talk about it with Bill Baer, former assistant attorney general for antitrust in the Obama administration. He's now visiting fellow in governance studies at the Brookings Institution, Bill, I'm glad you're with us. Thank you for joining us. What is your take on the greater question here? Does this make it more likely that Facebook is broken up or faces more strict regulations? Or, or is all of that inevitable in your view?
3: Joe, this hurts. It, it, you know, it risks hurting their defense to the FTC charges of monopolization. At the yep. end of the day, credibility matters. It, it reminds me of that great Marx Brothers line, who are you going to believe, me or your own two <laughs> eyes? <laughs> right.
1: Um,
3: The the Facebook public utterances uh, are not matching what these documents reveal. They were saying in private that hurts. Um, uh, Think about uh, company witnesses who who may be testifying in the FTC trial uh, down the road. You know, if if they have said one thing in public and another in private, that affects uh, how the judge is going to view what they have to say about whether they have market power or not.
5: So if you're making this case, Bill, you're just gathering right now. You're gathering documents. You're building this case to be greater than it was before this all began.
3: Correct. And, you know, this this does help the government. No doubt about it.
5: They've got good lawyers. They've got good lobbyists. I don't need to tell you that. As they note that hate speech represents well under 1% of overall content on the platform and is declining. Will that matter?
3: Well, you know, the, the FTC case is going to be less about the quality of the speech yeah, uh, and more about whether Facebook has um, market power, monopoly power. And while Facebook says people are free to move to another platform, the fact of the matter is you're not going to move to another platform if, in fact, your friends and family are all on Facebook or all on Instagram, right? If you move, you're not going to be able to talk to anybody. That's because right. they're all still on Facebook, your move only makes sense if everybody else moves. They call that network effects. And and right now, Bloomberg has a network. Right, excuse me. Uh, Facebook has a network uh, through Facebook. And we through have a Instagram. different network. Yeah. Yes. Right. But a good one. <laughs>
5: yes, we like to think so. I guess the question I'm asking is, you know, these are all human beings working in the FTC. Bill, you know plenty of them, or or certainly their their uh, their breed. And I wonder if this storyline, forget lawmakers, I think I know where lawmakers are on this, but does this storyline, when it comes to the the agency, create more of an urgency to do something about it, even if they're not going after the speech aspect? Does this reinforce that sort of personal drive to regulate this company as a monopoly?
3: Well, I think it does reinforce, as you say, both on the Hill and that uh, at the Federal Trade Commission, this sense that uh, this company is both powerful uh, and, and, and lacking in some degree of credibility. And that, uh, uh, you know, it, it reinforces, I think, what the FTC said when it brought its initial complaint later amended uh, in response to district uh, to court judge. Uh, but uh, I think for the most part, those professionals at the FTC and at the Antitrust Division, they're professionals. They focus on what they can prove and how they're going to prove it. Uh, uh, so uh, I don't i don't think they do this is anything but a reinforcement of the view mm-hmm. that Facebook hasn't been quite truthful with the government or with the American public or with the U.S. Congress.
5: We're having a little trouble with your line, Bill, so hopefully it'll hang in another minute. I'm just curious what you see as a, a, a potential outcome here. Are we talking about breaking up the company or creating rules of the road for this company?
3: It's too early to tell. You know, Facebook has been talking uh, about creating rules of the road as an alternative yeah. path to a breakup. Um, you know, we're going to have to see what the evidence is. I think at the end of the day, it is hard to separate out lines of commerce that have been Integrated, uh, especially in a in a high tech uh, platform. So we're going to have to see where that all goes. But at the end of the day, I think this does give impetus uh, for some sort of some form of increased regulation uh, over uh, over Facebook.
5: How long does a case like this take, in your view?
3: Well, longer than it should. And uh, this case is not set for trial until 2013 at the earliest. And there'll be appeals, however it comes out. So we're a long way away, which is one of the reasons why lawmakers are thinking of uh, legislating in an effort to get more control over this environment than they have today. Boy,
5: we will not hold our breath. But I like the idea of talking to Bill Baer again. Thank you, Bill, for being with us. It's great talking with an expert who knows what they're talking about. He's the former assistant attorney general for antitrust. That's why he was with us, of course, with the Brookings Institution. And I want to play this against the panel. We will reassemble. Rick and Jeannie get their take on the latest from Facebook, and we'll look ahead to the Virginia governor's race. My God, it's just about a week off. This is Bloomberg.
2: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. As investors obsess over
5: Facebook's quarterly finances this evening, as you were just hearing from Charlie, we are focused on the antitrust effort against the company, a lawsuit by the FTC and a charge on Capitol Hill, frankly, bipartisan, although they're motivated by different reasons to regulate the social media company. And we reassemble the panel to get the take from Rick and Jeannie, Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. We've gone through this before, Jeannie, certainly after the initial Francis Haugen testimony, but there are, it seems every time you turn around, there's another pile of documents. And we're looking at more now that, as we discussed with Bill Baer, uh, shine a, a, a damaging light, depending on who you ask on, on the company, contradicting when it comes to competition, what the company is saying publicly, what Zuckerberg is saying to Congress. There's a different feel inside facebook does that motivate lawmakers and regulators to get something done
0: it, it does and i think what's so stunning to all of us as we start to sift through this material is not only were these calls coming from inside the house, but these data scientists who were doing this research were showing the executives the extent of the challenges they were facing, the problems. This was really good research. This is hard data. And yet they didn't, to your point, act on it. And worse yet, they continued to suppress it and to speak with another face publicly. And as you were just talking about, credibility matters and this is going to matter to regulators. It's going to matter to legislators. And it may even at some point matter to users and their consumers. And that is a big problem for Facebook. You know, I do a lot of research on political risk. This is an internal political risk. They did this to themselves, which is the stunning part of this to me.
5: I want to hear from Mark Zuckerberg, congressional testimony, April of 2018. Here's what he said.
4: I think that it is inevitable that there will need to be some regulation. So my position is not that there should be no regulation, but I also think that you have to be careful about what regulation you put in place for a lot of the reasons that you're saying. I think a lot of times regulation, by definition, puts in place rules that a company that is larger, that has resources like ours, can easily comply with, but that might be more difficult for a smaller startup.
5: This is the interesting part here, Rick. They're actually asking for it. Typically, uh, it doesn't matter who who's testifying Zuckerberg or or executives on down the chain. They're asking to be regulated. Does that also motivate lawmakers and regulators or give them pause to say, hey, gosh, these guys are, 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 are playing a fair game?
4: No, I I think they see it as a smokescreen. You know, the same point he just made about how bigger companies can actually deal with regulation better. Bigger companies can actually avoid regulation better. Sure can. And that's exactly what's happened here. You know, their field of lobbyists headed by Joel Kaplan, former Bush uh, chief of staff who heads their public policy globally, has done an unbelievable job of fending off congressional attacks. And I think this is one area, though— uh where uh the republicans and democrats are converging right and that is around teen mental health and the kind of manipulation of data and uh and 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 the kind of policies that have been going on inside of uh facebook and many others i mean house republicans Uh, put out a letter uh, just this week uh, to Snapchat and TikTok and YouTube saying, what research do you have that we Mm. haven't seen on teen Uh. mental health? So this is going to be a trend that I think both Republicans and Democrats alike will embrace. And it could be the one common area on tech regulation that will get going. And my guess is this is not what uh, Zuckerberg had in mind. Boy, yeah.
5: Jeannie, it's not that we don't know the problem. I think we're getting a pretty good sense of what the problems are. And anybody like me with a teenager in your house, well, you could have asked me this some time ago. But fine, we know the problems. Haugen today in the U.K. testifying before Parliament said that the company lacks incentive to fix the problems. Is that the real story here?
0: that is a huge part of this story and, and she said when she testified before Congress the the fact is that they put profits over safety time yeah. and time again and you know the, mon- the amount of money you know Zuckerberg calling for regulation the amount of money that they have invested another fascinating part of this story is that so much of that over 85% of their budget on that is focused on the United States that leaves you know about 15% to the rest of the world so you know they are going to have to be not just incentivized, but there is going to have to be regulation in the U.S. and elsewhere. And the challenge, and I couldn't agree with Rick more on this, is that, you know, he says on the one hand he wants regulation, this would be Mark Zuckerberg, not Rick, and yet on the other hand he, he, you know, that they're going to try to craft that regulation or to help legislators craft it in a way that, that it works for them. I think what we're looking at are laws to protect children, I think that we're looking at algorithm protections, and then and the big question, do we see a breakup or do we see this rules of the road? But as you were just talking to Bill Barr, that's or Bill Barrett, that's gonna take, you know, several years till we come to that point.
5: Yeah, what does this mean for section two hundred thirty, Rick? Is does it go away or are we gonna keep talking about it?
4: Oh, I think we're going to keep talking about it, but it, it is going to get under assault. I mean, you know, the folks at the FTC are already knee-deep into, you know, pulling apart the different pieces of privacy, hate speech, monopoly power, you know, notice and consent, uh, discrimination. I mean, there are so many issues, and I think 230 is right at the core of it. There's no question Congress is going to crack that open. Whether they have the skill set, you know, the, the technical experts to be able to navigate uh, through this area is going to be a challenge for Congress, but, uh, it'll be interesting to see who acts first. Does the FTC actually draw first blood or is Congress going to actually have a chance to get something done before that?
5: Great questions. And I'm deeply curious to see, uh, how this turns out. I want to ask you both before we're done about the Virginia governor's race. Imagine tomorrow, week from tomorrow, we're talking about an election here. Uh, Terry McAuliffe, the Democrat, the former governor who's who's running to do this all over again against Glenn Youngkin, the Republican, brought out the big guns. He brought out President Barack Obama, the former president with a big address uh, on the on the stump here. Virginia Commonwealth University. His comments about the culture wars have everyone in a froth. Here's the former president.
1: We don't have time to be wasting on these phony trumped up culture wars this fake outrage that, that right-wing media's pedals to juice their ratings and the fact that he's willing to go along with it instead of talking about serious problems that actually affect serious people that's a shame that's not what this election's about that's not what you need Virginia
5: this has uh, been making quite a bit of fodder and I'm sure you guys have seen it uh, particularly among conservative media calling out barack obama for being tone deaf and if you haven't been following this it, it he, he's referring to a big blow up in loudon county in northern virginia where where parents are calling for the resignation of the loudon county superintendent in the wake of allegations that the school district covered up a couple of alleged sexual assaults i won't go too deep into this it has to do with bathroom access but the president's referring to Arguments about LGBTQ, critical race theory, even masking in schools. Jeannie, schools have become a battleground uh, for for the culture wars here, for political social discourse. Is that going to help decide this race?
0: It could it could have a huge impact because of course what what Glenn Youngkin needs to do is he needs to pull back at least some of these suburbs to his side mm-hmm. you know many of them in virginia and elsewhere around the country given over or lost to the democrats in the last few election cycles he needs to pull them back and this issue is one that is potentially going to allow him to do that and maybe also play in the midterms across the country. So, you know, I I know that, you know, I would not accuse President Obama of being tone deaf by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that this issue is a critical one and Glenn Youngkin has grasped onto it. This whole issue of parental choice is something particularly in the context of the pandemic and the vaccination, LGBTQ rights and so on and so forth has become a really, really high Issue politically at the state and local level. Well,
5: they're making ads out of it at this point, uh, Rick Davis. But how would how would you advise Glenn Yunkin Just continue to fly above it?
4: You know, well, I don't think he's flying above it. I mean, he's made this uh, kind of a centerpiece of his election. I mean, he owns the education issue, and he took it away from Terry McAuliffe. Uh, so uh, right now, I think that's actually uh, advantage uh, Glenn Youngkin. Uh, I haven't. You don't seen... see
5: him doing interviews though, or, or just, like it, it may be. Well, It's out there in the ads and so forth, but how, how is he just, he doesn't want to own it personally. He doesn't want to be caught in this, in a soundbite talking about it. How do you, how do you slice that?
4: You know, I think that there is a huge uh, effort that they have in their campaign to try and avoid uh, being tagged by it as a Trump guy, because they do know Trump is a drag. Right. If you look at the state numbers, Biden actually is still significantly more popular than Trump. We talk a lot about Biden's dropping popularity. Hmm. I think in the last poll I saw a signal poll, he was at 48 percent favorable, but Trump was at 41 percent. And so, you know, Yunkin looks at this and says, wow, I got to stay out of this Trump stuff. And I can't talk to a reporter without having them ask me about Donald Trump. So just don't talk to reporters. I mean, that is a device that many (laughs) campaigns, none that I've ever managed, uh, have used successfully. If I only
5: knew you the way I do now back in 2008, the phone calls, Rick, so many phone calls. So, but Jeannie, in this case... I'll throw another layer on this. Everyone says Joe Biden's got to get something done uh, before the election. Does that even matter in Virginia?
0: I I think it does. It would certainly help. And we are telling Glenn Youngkin to talk to you, Joe Matthew. (laughs) So, you know, Rick is here. He could talk to the both of you.
5: That's right. I'm going to bring in Rick for cover. Jeannie Shanzano, Rick Davis, our classic panel, and both of our Bloomberg Politics contributors. Yeah, again, we're going to be talking about an election in a week. This is our bread and butter. So stay with us. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid to large size companies like yours to help manage risk. From liability and property insurance to workers comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.
2: Top throw two is like no other course. Two four hundred and twenty foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy.